Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today we're talking to Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. Miguel is the author of The Five Levels of Attachment, Toltec Wisdom for a Modern World. Miguel, welcome to the show. Hi, Crystal Lee. Thank you so much for having me on the show. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. Just excited good. and enjoying and reco- recovering, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, let's jump right into um, what exactly is Toltec and how are you a part of this auspicious lineage? Oh, sure. Well, Toltec, you know, as a civilization, they ex- existed over a thousand years ago, or 500, you can say. Uh, they created Teotihuacan and Tula, and as a civilization, they thrive. And then, you know, uh, 500 years ago, over, either with the Aztecs or with the, uh, the Spaniards, they ceased to be a culture, and they became... This uh, or it became an oral tradition. So from there became a philosophy, uh, basically taught through different communities, different families, different individuals. So the word Toltec is a Nahuatl word that in English means artist. If I translate the phrase the Toltec art of transformation into 100% English, it means the artist path of transformation. We are artists. We are artisans. And our canvas for our work and for our life for our art is our life. So, and our will is the instruments we use to create that that work of art. So, as a physical descendant, uh, is uh, my family is a descendant of the Eagle Knights, and according to my great great grandpa uh, Don Ezequiel, my grandmother's grandfather, and that's the thing about oral tradition; it goes as, as far as back as living memory. So it's his name that we know, Don Ezequiel Macias, and his son, Don Leonardo. And they lived in a small little town of Juanacatlan, Jalisco. And then when they when they taught, they taught to very few people. And then Don Leonardo's daughter, Madre Sarita, began to apprentice and to learn. And then she decided to open it up. She wanted to share that tradition with everyone. So she opened a little temple uh and found, she found herself in San Diego, California, and she opened a little temple there, and she began to teach to the community that, to the point where she began to teach and lecture around the country whenever they invited her. You know, she was also a faith healer, and the she began to teach to, to doctors and work for the state. So you can say that she was the one who branched it out, and then her son, her apprentice, Domingo Ruiz, if she opened the gates, my father destroyed the gates and basically began <laughs> to share with everyone, and especially when mm-hmm. the little book called The Four Agreements came out. So mm-hmm. my family and my tradition is basically a lineage that we share the knowledge of what we know through stories and anecdotes of our own life, continuing to share that knowledge in a way that's relevant in our life. And that's what we do. And for us, is to enjoy life. So... That's that's how I've come to that, this point with me and my brothers and some of my cousins who've continued the tradition in our own unique way. 
I love that. So it's really, a, you know, it's passed down through the family and, and you'll pass that on to your own children too. Yeah, and and, that, and that's the funny thing is is that we, we we haven't just passed it down within the family. We've been beginning to pass it down to people who are willing to listen. That's the beauty of it. So, you know, my, some people would say that I'm following on my father's footsteps, but what we really are is just continuing my grandmother's fire. She She's the one who had that vision, and we've mm-hmm. been able to expand it. And luckily for us, we've got have the good fortune, thank God, to do that. So it's 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 a beautiful thing, you know, to be able to share this tradition not only with my with my kids, but with a whole generation of people who are willing to listen mm-hmm. and engage it and put it into practice and it's awesome, you know. Oh, it is. It's really it's amazing to have, you know, the family tradition and being able to pass it on, but being able to share it with others makes it even more magical. Miguel, yeah. what inspired you to write this book? Well, you can say that my grandmother taught me all, a lot of what I know and my father as well. And then mm-hmm. my grandmother had taught me about attachments when I was young. And when I was young, it didn't, you know, it didn't, it, it was really strange to understand, you know, those concepts, you know, because when I was young, this, this all belonged in a library, this all belonged in a museum, you know, if, if I, I didn't know how it re- was relevant to my life. And then my grandmother's teachings became apparent to me after I graduated college and went to live my real life, I began to understand it in my own unique way. And mm-hmm. I began to see it, and then I began to share it. You know, I, I can say when I was younger, I rebelled against the tradition. I, I was more of an academic. And then, then I began to understand my father's teachings. I began to understand my grandmother's teachings. And then I put it in a language that I could understand, and I began slowly to teach. You know, I used to work in the film industry, and then I found that I wanted to be a family man, and, and now I am. Mm-hmm. And with the teachings, I found this language, and, and I decided to put it into writing. And it took me some time, some six years, seven years, to fully get that down, and the book was published. Um, I had something to share. I had something to contribute to this legacy. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got there. So the inspiration was simply I had an aha moment. I had a moment of understanding of my grandmother's teachings, and I wanted to share it. Wow, I love that. Do you think you could briefly kind of explain the five levels of attachment? Sure, sure. Well, there's a question my grandmother asked during my apprenticeship with her, which is, do you control knowledge or does knowledge control you? So I'll answer that question throughout the five levels. So, at level one, the, unth- the authentic self, the answer to my grandmother's question is, I'm a living being regardless of what I think or what I know. I'm a living being, and I'm aware of it. That's what we call the authentic self. I'm able to see that I'm this infinite possibility of life because today is the youngest I will ever be. Mm-hmm. Level two, preference. The answer is, I am aware of the, I am the authentic self and I choose to use knowledge as an instrument that allows me to navigate the world, meaning by that that I can go in any direction in life. That's what infinite possibility is. I can go in any direction I like. And if I say yes to one direction, I'll engage it. Or you can say I attach to it. But when the moment is over, I'm able to detach. You see, there's nothing wrong with attachment. What makes mm-hmm. it difficult is the, the inability to detach because we've mm-hmm. got strength. So at level two, I'm able to yeah. attach and detach. 
At level three, identity, the answer to my grandmother's question is knowledge and I are one. Basically, I start seeing myself as knowledge. I think, therefore, I am. So you could say, at that point, I attach myself with knowledge to a moment. I am a Toltec. I am a, a, a writer. I'm an author. Even when I'm not writing, I call myself that, you know, to identify mm-hmm. myself. Because, you know, one of the conditions that knowledge has is that I need to know. I need to have closure. So for in order, for, you can say that at level one, level two, my sense of self is the experience of myself at level three, my concept of self comes with my definition, my identity. I become a symbol with a definition. Level four, internalization. Imagine that attachment growing. I, I get so attached to that identity that I become, mm. uh, it comes to construct, to rule my life. You can say the answer to my grandmother's question at that level is that knowledge gives me the rules by which I live my life, but also the rules by which I love myself. Meaning by that, that I begin to domesticate myself. If I live up to this image, if I live up to this identity, then I'm worthy of love. If I don't live up to it, I'm worthy of my own rejection. I begin to domesticate myself, which the result is conditional love. That's when I basically use my knowledge. I'm so attached to my beliefs that it gives me my sense of right or wrong according to those beliefs. And I begin to domesticate myself and I begin to domesticate everyone around me. Mm-hmm. which leads us to level five, fanaticism. The answer to my grandmother's question there is that knowledge has complete and total control of me. I don't do anything that my knowledge doesn't tell me what to do. It's like Don Quixote. Don Quixote can only do the things that his books of chivalry tell him to do. If it's not in that book, he can't do it. And mm-hmm. he, the books tell him who to, who to accept, who to love, and what to see, what not to see. And I used the image of Don Quixote because to me that's, a beautiful example of, of a level yeah. five. Although, of course, we can totally see the dark side of that. Unfortunately, we just have to turn on the news and we can see its results. Or t- nowadays, turn on to Facebook and see the negative comments on, on those things. And you can see level four and five in complete and total uh, flares. But at the same time, you can also see the other levels of attachment there with you know with, with much more simplicity. But all, all in all, the levels of attachment are just an instrument of awareness. We become a, It's just an instrument that allows us to become aware of how attached we are to something at this very moment. And once we become aware of it, we have a choice. We can either continue to believe it or we can choose mm-hmm. to let it go. But the choice is always ours. But in order, in order to have that choice, we, we become aware of it. And so that's what the levels of attachment are. It's just instruments that allows us... To, to become aware of how attached we are to something. And if we want to continue, great. If we don't, let go of it. (laughs) Wonderful. You're listening to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibble, and today we're talking with author Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. When we come back from the break, we'll discuss how you can apply Toltec wisdom to your writing practice and what he's learned as a writer. We'll be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. 
Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal E. Clival, and we're continuing our conversation with Miguel Ruiz, Jr. Miguel, you know, how can writers apply the ancient wisdom of the Toltec to their writing practice? Oh, sure. Well, the, I, to, to do that, yeah, I'll, I'll look at what my, my, how my dad, myself, and my brother write. And mm-hmm. what we what we do is that we when we start writing we grab our little com- we, we we grab our little recorder and we go to our class and start teaching and that's what we record it. We basically let all this idea out. You know, is that when you're writing, you basically are using words to paint a picture, and you're use, you're mm-hmm. doing the very best. So there's draft there's your first draft which the audience. It's going to be yourself. Your, your first draft is always you. And the reason why I say that is because in the first draft, the first time you write anything, it's your ideas out. You know, it's, it's, it's a muscle. Or, uh, or you can say that it, you, you relax that muscle so you can let that, those, all those ideas out. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be grammatically correct when you're writing it down or putting it down. It's, it's this idea of letting the thoughts go. So when we record it, we're letting our ideas go because... It's like being in a pool, you know. If you if you, once you jump, you're you're in the water. So when you're in front mm-hmm. of an audience, you're in front of people. You are basically either you're gonna talk or not talk. If you don't talk, <laughs> nothing will come out. But there's people exactly. here waiting. They're looking in your eyes, and so you start talking, and you, you get inspiration. You you get this idea, and then all of a sudden you start flowing, and you write, write, write. So I trans I transcribe that. But even when I'm not, I, sometimes I don't have a class, so what I do is the same thing. I just simply grab my little uh, recorder, I start teaching, and it comes out, and I transcribe that. And then that's basically my first draft because I, I'm not caring about grammar. I'm not caring about the, whether it's beautiful. It's, I'm caring about this idea to be flourished, this idea, let the ideas out. So you write, you write this first draft as a you're just purging it, you know, you, you you just let it out. Then once you have it all out, or at least a good chunk of it, sorry, um, you basically hit save, walk away, mm-hmm. come back a day or two, then edit it. And here's the thing, you write with your heart, you edit with your mind. So when mm-hmm. you edit, you're basically changing the audience, the audience is no longer you. The audience is your listeners. You see, at, in class, when you're giving a class, when you're teaching, the number one student in that classroom is you, me, in mm-hmm. this case. I'm, I'm the number one student in that classroom. I just happen to be answering my own questions. Mm-hmm. I have my, I'm sharing it. You know, basically, in our tradition, we're basically sharing our process with everyone. And that's what we do. You know, we, we don't go in there saying we're completely polished. We're basically going in there saying, this is my experience. I, I talk about what I know. I don't touch what I don't know. I leave that out. And I share with people, like the same with my dad and my brother, our experiences in life. This is what I've learned from life, and this is how, how it's impacted me. This is what I've learned. This is how I've engaged. We are sharing our life experience. We're sharing what we've known. Mm-hmm. Now, thou, when you, when I share that, when I get the confidence in ourselves, and that's the thing, gaining the confidence of ourselves to share with that. And one of the things that we, 
do to let that confidence happen is to not be domesticated by our own beliefs of what an author should be, what a teacher should be. We basically go out there and I'm sharing. You know, it's basically imagine that fire pit in front of us and I'm sharing the stories that have taught us so much in our life with someone else and then we're sharing it and we're building. So when you're writing, you're doing exactly that. You're first sharing your ideas to yourself. Then when you edit, you're you're changing the direction of the audience. Now, Mm -hmm. and the reason why that is, because now when you edit, and the reason why you edit with your mind is now you're putting in the grammar, you're putting in the syntax, you're putting in all all those instruments that allow someone to understand you. Mm-hmm. And which is important. No, because when you're in the class, if you don't have the word for it, you can do a gesture, you can move your hands, you can do... There's so many ways to speak with, with silent knowledge that someone can understand it, someone can get an aha moment. But with a book, I'm not going to be there to describe it to you. You're going to read the book, but you won't, you won't have me next to you if, every time you have a question, I won't be able to answer it. So the, the book has to answer you. And that's where editing comes in. You're shifting mm-hmm. it into a language that someone can understand, and that's exactly what, what we do with the Toltec. Knowledge is in, it's our creation, and if knowledge has so, such a big attachment to me, I become so attached to it, it can control my life. But if I detach from knowledge and knowing that it's just an instrument, it's just this mirror that reflects life as is, it's, that's all knowledge is. When knowledge reflects life as is, is what we know as the truth through knowledge, of course. But it's mm-hmm. so easy to distort, just shift it a little bit, and no, it'll no longer just present life as is. So when we understand that, we can separate ourselves and see it for exactly for what it is, but it still is, is this instrument that allows me to communicate with you. For example, right now, you and I are not present in the, phys- in the physical place, but we're connected via our voice, this electrical current mm-hmm. that's allowing us to listen to one another, and, we ha- and we're using knowledge to understand one another. And that's the beauty. Yes. It's an instrument, this, this instrument that allows me to convey to you my experience of the world, my perception of the world. And my responsibility is to put it as clear as possible that you can understand it. Now, what you understand, I have no control of. I, I can't control your perception which means I'm only responsible for what I say. I'm not responsible for what you hear. But as a writer, it is my passion and it's my desire to put it in a language that that mirror can reflect exactly how I'm trying to perceive the world, knowing full well to detach that sometimes the audience won't see it, even if I do the most cleanest, clearest paragraph it'll still be perceived differently by someone else because we all perceive life differently. We're all unique. So we do mm-hmm. our very best. And that's, that's the beauty of editing. That is the beauty of writing that second and third and fourth draft of, of, of a manuscript. Because yes. all we're doing is just sharing a painting of how we perceive the world. Mm-hmm. So true. So write with the heart and edit with the mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And, and, tr- and trust and trust your heart. 
You see, mm-hmm. when I first started writing, it took me about three hours to write a paragraph because I write a paragraph and I go back and edit it, and I write it and mm-hmm. and, and I start I start expanding it and just the idea that gets lost because. I you know I want to be like Jack Kerouac and write on the road and on on one take, <laughs> you know. But it, yeah. it, but but I'm not Jack Kerouac. I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. like, I'm not I don't have his skills. I don't have his language uh, his skills with the English language. But once I detach from that domestication, that 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 domestic that conditional love that I have to be the great, great author that is beautiful the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Once you detach from that, the confidence. And yourself grows because you allow yourself to share, and that is that is the beauty, to be able to have the mm-hmm. confidence in yourself to share, and allow yourself the ability that once you share it, you can actually edit it little by little to, you could say, craft it in a way that is res- it resonates in someone else's life. Absolutely. So, what do you think the best advice? was that you ever received about writing? The best advice I ever received about writing is the audience. Mm-hmm. The understanding of the uh, who is my audience? Who am I talking to? And that's why that's that's why I'm separating the drafts for who's the audience is great because in that first draft the audience is you. You, you, the author. You, the writer. You're the main audience in that one. And when that happens, the reason why it's, you don't care about grammar, you don't care about uh, those kind of things, is because you're the reader. You understand what you're saying to yourself. You just want to put the idea down. Mm-hmm. Then, when you go to edit and you shift the audience, now you're translating your own words. And it's for me. Yes, it's an extra step, but it's an extra step that that allows you to really look at what you have and really look for this language, this vehicle by which you're going to transmit your your vision, because you're going to share your vision. So to me, that's the best part, because now in that editing, that's where grammar comes in, that's where all those those instruments come in. You get to play with them. You get to play Mm -hmm. with them in your own time and you get to play with them in your own expression, in your own voice. But that first draft is, that's you. That's, that's, and it's liberating. All of a sudden it's so liberating not to, to write a draft that is not going to get graded. It's not going to get marked Mm -hmm. all in red. It's not going to get, it's not going to get butchered. It's not going to get this, you know, Dismantled and it's not going to get dissected with with a microscope. It's going. To, it's you, and mm-hmm. the, because you can read between your own lines, you can read. You can understand what you're trying to say with just saying, "Uh huh." Okay, that "uh huh" word just meant three paragraphs of what I wanted to say. Okay, now yeah. with the editing, now I get to say those things, and mm-hmm. that is that is that is a nice thing. Yeah, I love that. What do you think is the one message you'd like people to take away from your book? That knowledge is this instrument that allows us to see the world as is, which is what unconditional love is. Unconditional love is being able to see life exactly as it is and do not allow it to distort it. You see, 
the world has created so many beautiful things, so many beautiful traditions, so many beautiful things that allows us to engage life. But once we become attached to it, we begin to distort it and we corrupt it. And people sometimes kill in the name of those things. People can kill for the name of their tradition. They can kill for the, for the sake of their own music. My music is better than your music. And it's, it's interesting <laughs> how that happens. My mm-hmm. genre of writing is better than your genre of writing and all kind of thing. But in reality, when we separate it, separate that, or separate that element of ourselves from those things, we, don't, we detach from it, then all, all of a sudden you can see the, all the beauty we've created. We humans mm-hmm. have created so much beauty. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it becomes a nightmare when we're trying to make everyone see life the way we think they should. And all of a sudden we start painting. My brother Jose has this image. Imagine going into a museum with your own set of paintbrushes and paints, walk into the museum, look at the Mona Lisa, and start painting over it. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, no, I think this paint should look like this. You know, the, the, the only other person I think of can, can like, pull that off was um, Basquiat, who painted over Warhol's painting, and Warhol went, I love that. But other than that, <laughs> it doesn't really work. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's painting on someone else's work of art. Well, if we are, if we are willing to listen, if we're willing to listen how someone else sees life, we can learn so much. We can understand so much. And most importantly, we can, are able to understand each other. And that's, that's the beauty. This is how I dream the world. Sometimes I may disagree with it, but the majority of times I'm in, in awe of it. And that's, that to me is great. To once again be in awe of the world, the way a child is, and knowing that I have a voice. I have Absolutely. a voice that can create so much, and I choose to use it to express unconditional love. I love that. Well, thank you for lending us your voice today, Miguel. Miguel Ruiz Jr. can be found online at www.miguelruizjr.com. His book, The Five Levels of Attachment, Toltec Wisdom for the Modern World, can be found online and in bookstores near you. His newest book that's coming up this June, The Mastery of Self, A Toltec Guide to Freedom, can be pre-ordered now. Please do make sure you order your next copy and leave a good review on Goodreads and Amazon. Join us next time on Literary Speaking for more tips and tricks on how you can get your work published as we speak with Albert Linda Silver. Visit crystalleequible.com and sign up for my newsletter to receive updates and bonus Q&A material from our guests, as well as follow me on Twitter at WriterCrystal. I'm your host, Crystal Lee. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals. <laughs>